my name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event uh, to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I personally am a Mission 22 survivor. This June will be 15 years for myself from when I tried to commit suicide. So it's just in my heart to give to Mission 22. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. All proceeds will go to Mission 22. Amber, what are you drinking today? Well, Amanda, today's day one of Amber not drinking. So I am uh, finishing up Strawberry Blast Bang. Is and I've also delicious? got some water. This and the Georgia peach tea are my favorite flavors. I haven't tried either one of those, so I'm going to have to. Oh, the Strawberry Blast is awesome. Nice. And also, I am so proud of you for doing this for 75 days. Thank you. Amazing. See how it goes. Yeah. Sunday nights will be Sunday nights will be a little bit different. Yeah, it'll be good. It will be. What are you (laughs) drinking today, Amanda? Um, I finished up my pineapple vodka and I mixed it with a blackberry citrus seltzer. A blackberry citrus what? Seltzer. Oh, you and your seltzers. You know I do seltzers. My jam. I know. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was quite easy, while being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Nicole Smith. She served in the United States Coast Guard from 1999 to 2019 as an operations specialist. How are you doing today, Nicole, and what are you drinking? Hey, ladies. I am doing great. Happy to be here with you. And Amber, I'm with you tonight. I'm not drinking. I just got some good old H2O. That is the water. What do I call it? Cheers. The beverage of life. Or I don't know. I had a catchy thing for it at one point and now I can't remember it. (laughs) But what is your cup? All right. My cup says love coach inspire. Oh, that's a good cup. Yeah. Girlfriend made it for me. Awesome. And then is an operations specialist, before we get too far into this, is it similar to what an operations specialist does in the Navy? Probably not in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> operations specialist in the Coast Guard kind of became a catch-all. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. because Definitely not what a novice is in the Navy. Yeah. Because they, they just monitor radar and watch for boats and missiles and crap. Yeah. So that's a small portion of what we as OSs do. But the way, like, I always explain at least, like, what I did primarily in the Coast Guard is I equate it to, like, being a 911 dispatcher. So we worked in, like, the command centers. So if we were shore-based, we worked in command centers typically. So anytime there was search and rescue or law enforcement calls, they came in. And the operations specialists were the ones that, like, did it. For the emergency calls. And then you would send out the search and rescue. You've got it. You would determine what the needs were and send them out. Exactly. And then underway... Yes, there was like, you know, radar and plotting and, you know, tucking and, you know, plugging and patching circuits and things like that, but very much a. So it's similar, but like expanded because. Right. Rather than like being very specific and honed in, we kind of have a couple different hats because we also have instructors that are OSs. I've done vessel traffic service. So if you think of like air traffic control, but for our vessel traffic, I've done that as well as an OS. Because we're both air traffic controllers. Hey, well, I did it in, in mm-hmm. Houston, but as for vessel traffic, so that's cool. That sounds like a really cool job, actually. That is cool. Yeah, it was interesting <laughs> trying to learn all of that <laughs> commercial traffic dialect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Scale Executive Search is a veteran owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market but also ensuring their candidates 
and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. So where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about how your story started? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, where I'm from is actually Southern California, but we're currently transplanted in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, I, outside of being a veteran, I'm also a military spouse. My husband is still active duty Coast Guard. Um, and so we're currently stationed here. And um, man, how my story got started. Like, where do I even start <laughs> with that? Um, that's a loaded question. My military story actually started because I followed my high school boyfriend into the service. Oh, that happens a lot. You are not alone. You are not alone. (laughs) Glad to know it. We need to hook up those girls. (laughs) Amber support tribe. She had a crush on her recruiter. Oh man. Yep. That's why I joined the Navy because my recruiter was fine as deliciousness. He's older now, so he ain't as attractive anymore. But when I was 18 and in high school, yes. Where was that? Yeah. <laughs> Mine was just darn good at his job because I just went in there like to support my boyfriend as he was like talking to the recruiter to find out more info. It was like, you know, we got this buddy system, right? Like we can send you both and you'll go at the same time. You'll get, you know, stationed near each other. So you have that support. He's like, here, you just got to sign here. Yeah. 20 years later. (laughs) As I put my retirement plaque up on the wall. Right, exactly. (laughs) So did did the uh, boyfriend that you follow retire? No. So he actually separated after six years in. So that that was kind of like an interesting thing, you know, to see him like come and go. We broke up after about like a year and a half um, of being together during active duty. Um, he went on to kind of do his thing and separated after doing a year in Iraq. And, uh, I just continued on my merry way. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, so Nicole, you kind of told us why you joined the Coast Guard. What made you decide to be an operations specialist? Oh, well, that's an interesting one too. So I was actually at my first duty station. I was at what we call a surf station um, in the Coast Guard and our surf stations are like heavy weather. So you tend to get like 15 foot waves and breaking seas in those areas. So it's very heavy duty training. Um, Absolutely loved it. It was in Coos Bay, Oregon. It was my first station, but I was there. And at the time, like I thought I was going to go the direction of being like a health service specialist. Um, I wanted to kind of get into that medical field. That wait was so long. It was like a two year wait. And I was always one of my collaterals there was um, to be in the watch room and actually stand the watch. And they're like, you know, you're really good at this. You should think about becoming at the time we were telecommunication specialists. And like, this is what they do. They're the ones that take the calls. I was like, oh, well, if I do this here, I could do that. So I switched my name and put my name on the list. And so I initially started out as a telecommunications specialist. But in 2003, right when we were shifting from Department of Transportation to Department of Homeland Security, they shifted and merged a lot of rates. So they killed our QM rating and they created the OS rating and QMs and TCs. Even some like boatswain's mates like became OSs. So it was kind of like by fault. (laughs) Kind of fell into it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. It was good. I've I've enjoyed it. It was, I think um, things always have like a way of just happening the way they're, they're intended to. And it's interesting because now looking back, it's actually was a path that's led me to what I'm doing now, which we probably talk about later. (laughs) That's cool. How that, I, I feel the same way sometimes that, everything kind of happens for a reason. And even if it's good or bad or ugly, like eventually the light shines and you're like, Oh, that's why I had to go through that. Or that's why I had to make that change or that's why this happened. And so it's kind of, kind of a cool thing. So what were your duty stations? I know you served 20, 20 years, correct? Yes, ma'am. So what were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one? (sighs) Okay. So well, we start out our with boot camp is in Cape May, New Jersey, 
And I mentioned, then I went over to Coos Bay, Oregon. That was um, my first non-rated station. I went there and um, loved every second of it. Um, from there, I went to Petaluma, California, which is where our training center is. And that's where I received my MOS as the telecommunications specialist. Wound up staying there and was stationed at a command that's called Camps Pack, which was communications area master station specific, if that wasn't tongue-tied enough. <laughs> um, but did another few years there. Thought I was going to get out um, from at that point. But I actually had a master chief that was like, we need more women and we need more women like you. So what's it going to take? And um, so from there, I went to Staten Island, New York, and did some more communications um, there. Um, then I went to Charleston, South Carolina, and served my first and only stint underway, um, deployed for just shy of two years. Um, from there was Miami, Florida, then back to Petaluma, and I went back as an instructor to kind of do a tour of giving back and actually training um, our up-and-coming OSs. Went to Houston, and that was the vessel traffic, um, where I got to actually kind of do your traffic control, but for our vessels traffic. and then wound up here in Virginia um, at what we call C3SEN, and I was training um, our qualified um, crews on nautical like platforms and things like that that we have on board our ships, and that's where I finished and retired. So before we uh, ask you what your favorite duty station was, since you're from the West Coast, you're currently living on the East Coast, but you've been stationed on both coasts. Oh, don't do it. Do you, do you prefer the West million Coast or the question. Million dollar, million dollar oh, question. East like, Coast or West that, Coast? That's an evil question. Um, my heart will always go out to the West Coast. I'm just. It, you can, that's good enough answer for us. Yeah. Four that's just, the West Coast. Cheers. The West Coast is the best coast. Yes. Absolutely. And actually, that's probably was my best duty station was going back um, and being stationed in Petaluma the second time. It was great the first time, but the second time it was one of the most rewarding tours that I've had. Um, I also called it my slowdown tour because when I got my orders to go to Miami, the op tempo there is so crazy intense that I was told like, hey, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere in the Coast Guard. And it was a complete four-year tour, and it was just like nonstop the whole time um, for the Coast Guard. We I'm sure were that that's like, like Miami's super busy. With oh the yeah, Guard. we were ranked okay. like number two in SAR cases, like number three or like number one in SAR, number two in LE, and like number three in pollution for like how many cases we got a year. So it was on any given day like ten cases, and they usually weren't small. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so after that, I kind of did a slow me down tour and a payback tour so I could catch my breath. And that was Petaluma and being an instructor. And I loved it. I loved it so much. So which one was your favorite? The Petaluma, being back at the, the yeah, as an instructor. Yeah, that's awesome. Plus, I just love that area of California. The where where Bay in area. California is that? Um, so it is Marin County. So just on the other side of um, the Golden Gate. Oh, okay. So so up in Petaluma. Nice. Yep. That's a beautiful area up there. Oh, it is. I just, I love it. And you got everything, you know? Yeah. So that's what I liked. Oh, sorry. My dog is hiding. <laughs> Needing some loving? Yeah. <laughs> He's a mess. He's been whining at the door. Uh, now he's throwing me off my game. No worries. Sea story. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. We know, like in the Navy, the Coast Guard has excellent sea stories. Do you have a sea story that you can share with us today? I've got... 
a few, but one that probably like kind of just ties into my, my story the best is, so I shared with y'all that I only deployed or like served underway um, for one tour. Like I only got that opportunity once, but we also talked about how things happen for a reason. And so it was on that, that duty station that I actually met my husband. We were, yeah, we were one of those inappropriate relationships and uh, inappropriate relationship. Absolutely. I will will double (laughs) tears to that. Especially ones that last, right? Um, The ones that make it. Right. For real. Um, So talk about drinking. This is a, this is a story that's not out there. (laughs) He's going to kill me for sharing it now. But as with that relationship was going on, we were at a port call and everybody had been out drinking and like, I drank a little bit too much. And I remember like, we were off, like, not where we could be seen. I was like yelling at him. I was like, you're just using me because I'm senior ranking. And this is like the only reason we're together and all this nonsense. Fast forward, like I wound up going to MAST because I was the senior ranking member. But long story short, like we are celebrating 14 years in February. So jokes on the Coast Guard. Congratulations. Cheers on 14 years. Thanks. That's yeah, awesome. 14 years and three kids in, and uh, we're still here. So and you're still trucking. That's it. Congratulations for that. Thanks. That's amazing. How did you feel when you got in trouble? Like, did you care? Oh no, I was completely devastated. So as I said, like I was senior rank, I was senior ranking. I was an E6, and he was a non-rate. Um, oh, that's like a. That's so like a- as I said, like. My, my vodka talking that night of like, you're just using me to like brag to your buddies. Like that was definitely like some inner truth talking. <laughs> but yeah, no, when we ended up going to mass, he didn't get in trouble at all. Like he wasn't called to mass. He didn't have to go, you know, in front of the, the captain at all. They just put that, that whole onus on me. And so I was terrified, you know, cause they, as they do, like they have their investigative um, teams go out and talk and asked us questions separately. But one of the questions unbeknownst to us at the time that they asked was, you know, if you weren't on this ship and you guys had, you know, met each other, would this still be a relationship? Would you still want to be with each other? And both of us answered yes. Neither one of us knew that until like months later or so, but that making it to the captain, the captain actually dismissed it. And he's like, you can't help who you fall in love with. He's like, for the remainder of the patrol, like stay far, far away. And as soon as we got in port, they sent him to his MOS school. He went to um, become a boatswain mate. So they shipped him off and sent him to school. And then we were able to continue our relationship in an authorized manner. <laughs> so That's amazing that yeah. ultimately the command supported you that well. Yeah. I wound up with a negative page seven that kind of just like made its way out of my, my file. But, you know, it's definitely, it's one of those humbling events as well that I think all good leaders kind of need to go through because it really helped me in being able to get some of my, my service members, my guys, like through similar situations or, you know, having to deal with masks or whenever they were facing a challenge or a struggle, you know, I could relate and be like, you're like, I'm not perfect either. I've, I've been there. Yeah, I've done something too. We've talked about that with, with Jill was how, when you make a certain rank, sometimes you forget where you came from or the officers who come in as straight officers and weren't ever enlisted first, they don't know what it's like to be enlisted at all. And so remembering where you came from and how important that is as a leader in the military is huge. So. Oh, a hundred percent. One of my best mentors still to this day will remain a good friend and mentor of mine but he was prior enlisted, got to the rank of chief and then went OCS and officer. And I met him in his officer life. And as I was like moving up the ranks as an E6, this was after the mass and all that good stuff. But again, someone who saw the potential in me and we were having a conversation, he flipped his collar one day and he had his chief anchor sewn on underneath. And he's oh, right. like, I'll never, like, that's part of never forgetting where you came from. Like exactly what you just said, Amber. And that like even more so solidified the respect that I already had for him. And 
That's, like that gave me chills. That gave me chills. Yeah. He so actually weird. saw over my retirement. He was my guest speaker and spoke at my retirement. Like that was our relationship. He came and did that for me. And so that's awesome. That really cool person. Really, really cool. So Nicole, eventually you have to put everything you've known behind you and you did 20 years. So you were a coastie for a very very big portion of your life. How was your transition from active duty Coast Guard to being a veteran? Nobody's cursed yet. And I don't know, is cursing even allowed? It <laughs> is. Absolutely. I'm surprised Amber hasn't cursed yet. Because that's why I have her on here. Um, so I thought I had my shit together. <laughs> I haven't had to meet you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought I had my shit together. A few years prior to my retirement, I kind of felt that direction, like something was shifting and something was changing. And I started working on that next path. I actually received my certification to become a life coach and was building my business while I was still on active duty. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I've already got this path. I was doing, you know, entrepreneurial classes that the military had recommended And then as it approached and got closer, you know, I did everything they told me. I went to TAPS. I was doing all the things. Then I got out and I separated in October of 2019. The first week I was like, oh yeah, like this is just like some good leave. The second week is like, all right, I'm still on leave, but it's boring. Like nobody's with me. And by the third week, depression just kicked in like no other. And I have suffered from anxiety and depression pretty much since I was a teenager and it, it came on hard into the point like this time, at least thank God I recognized it. And I told my husband's like, babe, I was like, this is not good. Like this is, I can't get myself out of bed. And if something doesn't change, like this is not going to end well. And, uh, and there's actually a part of like a shame piece of me because I was like, I I need to go back to work. Like I need to do something like anything, like even if it's working at the mall, I just, I just have to do something. But that shame piece was like, I was embarrassed to tell people that I was doing that because I had been talking about this business that I had been building and, you know, I had done all these things and I was going to be like the sex story of transition. And instead, like here I was just like, this fucking sucks. Like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. That's something that a lot of veterans go through. It's something that I know, like I had a loose plan that I thought I was going to follow and it didn't work out. I know Amber had plans that she was going to follow and they didn't work out. Several veterans that we've talked to thought they had their shit together and then they got out and found out that they were not ready for the civilian world because you're so conditioned to be part of the veteran or part of the active duty world. And we've talked about TAPS several times and how it's not effective. Like you almost need a multiple week boot camp to get out of the service, like you need to get into the service to like deprogram you and teach you how to interact and how it's like almost basic life skills. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, not it's anything funny like home ec, but like I don't know how to go to work on time, <laughs> how right? to how interview. How to- talk to people. Right. Right. It's funny that you bring that up. I was just, I was talking with some other veteran friends and they're, they're putting together a summit. And that was one of the things that was mentioned. He was just like, how crazy is it that, you know, when they're bringing you in, it could be like upwards, like of 180 days to make you the best service member. You know, like you go through the boot camp so that they can break you down just to build you up, you know, to be that perfect service member. And then you go to your specialized training and you get like anywhere from like a month to like six months or if not more to be the perfect service member. And then as you said, like, then you do all this time to do that same thing, like to continue, like to progress and to promote and to advance and to be the best in two days. Yeah, the best civilian. It's just like, like, this is how you do a 30 second commercial. And you're (laughs) like, and it's, and it's not only that, but it's like a fire hose of information that you just cannot grasp and swallow in such a short period of time. It's, and how much of that though is even necessary? How much of it? It's like, it's like going to school and learning math. 
who learned uses math. I'm using math because Amanda hates math, but who uses calculus in the real world? Unless you have a specific job for calculus, you're not sitting in your car trying right. to pulling out your scientific calculator doing graphing to figure like, something out. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like the invisible number. It's even instilled this thought in me right now you know, that I'm going to probably have to work on and be coached on, but like, it's created this belief in me that there's probably nothing that we can actually ultimately be prepared for. Mm-mm. Correct. Oh, wow. Like, Cheers to that. I'm Cheers just like, yeah. Right. I'm just like, what, is there anything in life right now that I have felt that I have been prepared for, but it never has turned out the way that I thought. So I don't know. If somebody wants to challenge me on that one, like I'm getting, cause yeah, you know, I'm going to right there with you sister. Cause yeah. like, and Amber and I have talked about it several times, both on the podcast and offline. Like, like you said, they put you through boot camp. They condition you to be a soldier and airman, a sailor. And then they put you through your school where they teach you how to do the job that you're going to do in the military while still teaching you how to be a better soldier, sailor, airman. And then when it's time for you to get out, they're just like, good luck. The VA will help you. Maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you need a six-week boot camp to finish your military career as much as you needed it to start your military career. That's something that's not happening. Which is it why definitely you definitely have- needs to start earlier <laughs> in or. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, well, you can go to TAPS more than once. And you're like, but you're learning the same thing. Like, right. it's not really teaching me how to interact with the. 25 year old shithead that I have to work with that's never been to war and doesn't understand where I'm coming from and it still lives with their mom like yeah and cries when you talk to them slightly sideways not even in like your real aggressive tone well and I had people telling me oh well there's programs where you like you can go out and you can intern it's like a partnership thing and there's collaborations you you can go out and you can intern you know with these veteran friendly hiring companies you know and you can do that on those last you know year to 6 months that you have on active duty and I was like yeah if I wasn't an essential member to my unit and me not being here wasn't going to be a detriment like I don't know how many people actually have been able to partake in that collaboration like I don't know I again I didn't even know somebody someone that doesn't have anything going on I was like not gonna happen but nice to know that it's there yeah yeah for sure for sure so how are you doing now (sighs) you know what 2020 as crazy and as a wild ride as it was was actually my blessing in disguise. You know, it started off rough with me knowing that I needed to go back into the workplace. It was a blessing. I told y'all, I think before we started, but um, I was working with Navy fleet and family. I transitioned from that little side hustle gig. And so like, all right, let's actually get into a job that I'm proud of. And that I felt was at least somewhat along the lines of what I had been trying to do with my coaching. And um, so I started with them in January at like the very, very end of January and early March is obviously like when everything started getting shut down and we began working from home. Um, so 2020 was actually like this year that allowed me to really slow down and get my priorities straight and remember like why it was that I was retiring in the first place and to, to really connect back into that. So I wound up putting in my notice and I had that good talk with my husband and like, I've got to go all in on me. I've got to go all in on this business. Like it was a calling. It was something that was like on my heart for so long. And I can't just give up on it because if I give up on it, I'm giving up on me. So I just refocused myself and started investing myself into areas that were really going to help me move in that direction. And I haven't been happier, honestly. Like I feel like I actually said that my word for 2020 was going to be vision because I just thought it was a fun play on the fact that it was 2020. So I was like, Oh, 2020 vision and goodness gracious. If I did not get clear insight, like on what I was supposed to be doing or the areas that, you know, I had not been intentional with. So it's been really good. I'm really happy. Um, I'm excited for 2021. Excited to be here with y'all. So it's good. That's too. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the business that you're building right now? Absolutely. So my coaching practice, as I mentioned, started two years ago and it started from a place where I invested into just becoming a health coach because I had always struggled with my weight. But as I was going through my certifications and I was working with my own coaches, parts of my story that I had never shared actually started coming out. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I struggled pretty significantly with like, um, anxiety and depression. I even had some um, self-harm and suicidal ideations during my time in service and parts of that story started to come out. So I started coaching around mental health. Um, but as I mentioned, 2020 was a huge, huge pivot. And I'm finally in a place like this is it. So my business is navigate your freedom. And I, we talked about like the OS rate earlier. So let me tie this back real fast and how it's so funny how sometimes the path that we were on way back when that we feel like, oh, that's just like, you know, something to do, how it actually pans out into what we're doing now. So operation specialists, we're in crisis all the time. Like we're dealing with crisis. We're dealing with search and rescue. We're dealing with all that stuff. And I loved it because I've actually been told like, that's one of my goals or my gifts is that I can remain calm. So that's one of the things I've been able to recognize this year is that I'm someone who specializes in crisis management. I'm someone who can remain calm when somebody else is literally breaking down. And so I work with them through that challenge and through that crisis and help them find their purpose but more importantly, to navigate their identity through God's design. So taking them back to truly who they are and who they were created to be. I love that. I, I, you are amazing. Thanks. Look at all these amazing people, Amanda. <laughs> I know. They're, I'm telling you, this Facebook group that I'm a part of is one of the coolest Facebook groups I've ever joined. For sure. And come out and showed up. And I am impressed with everyone that we talked to you. I'm just super like thankful for the podcast though. And bringing now you're taking your people and I have from the Facebook group and I have the people from the TikTok and we're like combining everyone and creating this community amongst ourselves. And I'm so excited. I love it. And the positivity that you bring to the, the mission of veteran suicide and veteran mental health and bringing that all together is just incredible. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's definitely a huge, huge part of my story and, um, very much an advocate around mental health. So you'll always see that Mm. be intertwined in there. You know, I said crisis management and that's usually what it leads to. That was my story. I actually wound up breaking down in 2015, I suffered a major anxiety attack and wound up hospitalized over it. And if it wasn't the doctor that came in, that was like my blessing that recognized it outside of literally, he said like, this is going to be diagnosed as an anxiety attack. But then he turned and looked at me as like, but really what you're just dealing with is a broken heart. And like, I, I lost it. Like for the first time, somebody saw the mask that like I was wearing and it all just came flooding out. It's going to make me a little emotional right now. I'm glad I'm not (laughs) drinking. (laughs) Oh, silver amber in her emotions. (laughs) But I I guess I'm feeling a little because myself, like it's so, so easy to, to smile or to be okay. And you know, you know inside that you're not okay, but you're never going to tell anyone that. You're never going to show that. Even if you have little things here and there that people are like, oh, but then you people see you recover from those little things. So they think everything's fine. And you can go back to pretending that everything's fine. Yeah. So I 110% get, I just, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why I, I came down this path of being the coach is I sought help multiple times. Um, but like one of the things that like I definitely emphasize on is that it just wasn't the help for me. Like I'm not saying, you know, that the services that we have through the military or services that are out there for our civilians aren't good or don't work. It just wasn't what I was needing. It didn't connect with me. And I think that that's one of the biggest messages that I will always share is that healing is not linear. Like it cannot be cookie cutter and be the same for each and every one of us. You've got to find the healing that works for you. 
in mine was after that doctor like broke me to a core. Like I was literally, I was on the verge of the 22 statistic. Like that's how bad I would of shape I was in at that time in my life. And if he had not said that, like it would not have triggered the chain of events of like me reminding myself, like I'm a mother of three. They don't ever deserve to have to tell a story of why their mom was not strong enough to live her life, you know? And so I went home and I started researching like, what other means are there? And I came across life coaching and I started working with my own coach. And the difference for me was just as you were saying is they shared their story with me and I was able to relate to it. Like I saw myself in their story, even though it wasn't my story. And because they shared with me, I started to share with her and it just continued to just like unravel. And it was in that moment, because like you were saying, like we, we put on this mask and we say we're fine and we say we've got this and we put up this facade that like we're these badass women that got our crap together, but inside, like everything's just falling apart and everything's falling down. And we have never felt so alone, right? Like we feel like nobody's going to understand. We don't want to tell anyone that we don't know. Like nobody can know our mess. They're never going to understand our mess. And I'm a veteran and I did cool shit and I did hard shit and I did ugly shit, but you know what? Like I'm okay. And then you go home and you're out of that public eye and you're by yourself and you're like, And then the irony is like, right now we're talking about it and that's, what's connecting us. Yeah. Like who would have thought (laughs) that's that's like my downward spiral came when I was, I was still working for the railroad. So I had gotten out of the service. I had been with the railroad about six, five, five, six years, something like that. And none of them knew that I had anything going on at all. Like I, got into the engineering program. I got certified as a locomotive engineer. Like I was super successful in my field in a male dominated industry. And I showed up for work on time. I was good to run trains every day, but then like I would go home and I would not be okay. Like I would go home and it would just be me and my dog and I would drink a bottle of whiskey and you know, I would make bad decisions or I would go to the bar and I would make bad decisions or, and it eventually spiraled me into not just bad decisions on the surface, but like deep down, like I got into a lot of trouble because of it. And when all of that came into light, everyone I worked with was like, we had no idea. And I was like, that's because I didn't want you to have any idea. Like, I didn't want you to know about my You're not supposed to know. Right. I wanted you to see me as a success successful female locomotive engineer in a male dominated industry because I came out of a career in the military that was also a male dominated community and I was stronger than that and I could manage myself when in reality I could not manage myself well and we're we're trained to compartmentalize like we're trained to like push it aside and you know, mission first, emotions never. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And you have all these compartments and none of them ever overlap ever. Right. And it, it took me 10 years to seek any kind of mental health, anything, anything. And I'm finally getting it. And then we talk about being in service all the time and finding a way to be in service as a veteran to make your transition easier or your journey as a veteran and your mental health journey easier. And most of us don't find that until we find a way to be in service of someone or something. And that's what this podcast is doing is giving an opportunity to be in service of everyone that needs to tell their stories. And it's amazing how much those stories overlap with other people's stories, even though they're completely different. Absolutely. And I love that you found a way to be of service to your group of people and that that's helping you on your journey. And And it's, yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a beautiful journey and it's one of, you know, continued growth and continued transition and um, very happy with where it's at. And I love, you know, that you guys are doing those calls on Sundays where everybody's coming together. That's actually part of my vision, you know, within my business is that we all help other women rise. 
yeah. like that we get to come together as you were talking about Amanda, like pulling from, you know, the Facebook groups that you're in and Amber with her TikTok, you know, followers. And that's what it is, is like, you're bringing in and you're building that community to, to truly let other people know they're not alone and yeah. we can rise it, stronger when we're together. <laughs> it has been so cool. So we're, we started in September. We started this podcast in September. So October, November, we're like three and a half, maybe four months into our podcast. And we've been able to bring people together that are like family now, like best friend, family, like they communicate offline. They have each other's phone numbers. Without us. Yeah. Without without us. And it's people that would have never otherwise connected. And I think that is incredible that what we're doing, even if we're not successful as a podcast is being successful for those people. And that's what it's about. It's that ripple effect. Yeah. You know, just, you know, I don't know everybody, you don't know everybody, you know, and things like that, but the people that we do know, there's going to be someone in that circle that needs someone from your circle. And it's just, yeah. and if you could make that connection for them, then you've, you've done our job successful and you've done your job. Exactly. So Nicole, if you had advice for anyone that was either becoming a veteran or that has been struggling on their journey as a veteran, what advice would that be? Don't be embarrassed or ashamed to ask for help. Um, You know, reach out and find a fellow veteran and lock arms with them. You know, whether they're in a place of like struggle too and don't know all the answers or, you know, you connect with, you know, different, there's so many Facebook groups right now that are like kind of building and blossoming around like this vet aspect. You know, a few of the things that helped me this year, you know, you talked with Jill last night and, you know, the Woven Women Veterans Network, that was one of the things that helped me. I found it prior to my retirement but I didn't actually go through it until August of this year. And when I went through, I was like, I was kicking myself. Like, why did I wait so long to do this? You know, and, and finding podcasts, finding groups, like finding those things that tie us back into that feeling of belonging and community. Um, so that would definitely be my piece of advice is just don't continue to sit. Like we talked about with diagnosis of depression or mental health issues. Don't sit alone and be in a vet either, you know, reach out and, and find that community, find that place where you belong. Right. Cause we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're growing and we're removing so much of the stigma, which is such a huge part of the, our goal every day is to remove that stigma of it is okay to be not okay. Like that's yeah. the goal is to push that message. It's okay to not be okay. And we're, we're here for the days that you're not, because there's days where I'm okay, but there's also days where I'm not okay. And that goes for Amber. I'm sure that goes for you as well, Nicole. And we were on that journey and we're fighting for our own. Sometimes Amanda and I spend two hours on the phone together and then come on the podcast and record (laughs) two or three episodes and spend even more time together. Yeah. Because we need it because Sometimes I'm okay and Amber's not. And I'm thankful that she is such a huge part of my journey and vice versa. And sometimes she's not okay and I am. And so we can we can pick each other up and keep it moving. And that goes for so many in the veteran community to just have that network of people that you can reach out to when you're not okay. And then be willing to take in the veterans that need help when you're okay and they're not. Because we're not all going to be not okay at the same time, but we're not all going to be okay at the same time either. Just like that sentiment, you know, when you're on active duty and you're deployed, you have that battle buddy, you know, you're assigned battle buddies, or, you know, even if you're in a port call and, you know, you're supposed to go out with a friend just to ensure safety at a port call, all that stuff, like that just carries over, find that battle buddy. Find that person. I'm about to see is still one of my very best friends. Like they become family, like they're your forever family. And that's incredible. All right. So if our veterans wanted to find you, either if they were interested in your life coaching business, or if they just wanted to reach out and chat with you and find out more about your journey and your struggles, or they need someone to talk to, where can they find you? Um, 
So majority of all platforms, you'll find me at Navigate Your Freedom. Um, so if you search um, Navigate Your Freedom or NYF Coach on Facebook, um, I'm also Navigate Your Freedom on Instagram, but feel free to shoot me an email at Nicole at NavigateYourFreedom.com. All right. And I will put all of that into the show notes as well as the link for your business and um, the woven group as well. I would like to put that into our show notes because you're the second person to bring that up this week. And Great resource. I that's, I feel like that's going to be a good resource for our lady veterans that are out there. Schwartz-Davidson Law is a Texas-based, veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it, spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding credit bureaus' feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about our charity that we're choosing to support this week? Sure. So along with our continuous support of Till Valhalla Project, um, we have also chosen to support the Fallen Outdoors for the next couple of months. That is a veteran organized, veteran ran, veteran friendly organization. I felt like I said organization already. I did. They can be found at the fallenoutdoors.org, but it's a veteran group that will take veterans hunting and fishing. They're located across the entire country. So you can log on to the website, choose your area and get hooked up with someone that can take you out along with other veterans. So you'd be in a group of veterans and be able to connect with them. Or maybe you don't need the help, but someone in that group does need the help at that moment. So we, we are supporting supporting them as well as Silver Hall Project, which is why we have our merch, which Amanda will put the link in the show notes. Absolutely. We have t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, tank tops. That say Veterans Drinking Vodka. So a portion of all those sales go to Tilva Hall Project and the Fallen Outdoors. We also have koozies in what? Stickers. Oh, I know. I, I to say that we, we recently added to our merch store uh, oh. Oh. face masks and coffee mugs. I was um had a thing. I guess we'll talk about it now since we're saying the stuff that we added. What about pop sockets? Pop sockets would be awesome. Like Amanda just mentioned, we now also have coffee cups and masks. Face masks. So that you're gonna have to wear a mask, you might as well have one that says veterans drinking vodka. (laughs) Yes, I need to invest in one of those. Yes. They're ten dollars, super affordable. Yep. So Perfect. check it out and get yourself one. Yes. Where can, where can they um, find us, Amanda? If, someone's well, if you are interested in a koozie or a sticker, you can purchase those directly from Amber or myself. Also, if you just like to contact us for any reason, if you need someone to talk to, if you're curious about our story or our podcast, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. And like Amanda said, please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast and send us an email or a direct message on any of the social media platforms. Yes. And if you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pandora, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us. I love hearing that Pandora at the end now. I know we finally got on Pandora. It took forever, (laughs) but we got it. We got it. We're on all the platforms now. I think, except for iHeartRadio, I still have to apply for that one, but it's coming. 
hold your horses. We're going to get on iHeartRadio, but we are literally on every other podcast platform. So subscribe, follow, check us out, leave us a review. By leaving a review, it increases our algorithm in podcast world so that we can be available. Are you so proud of me? I keep getting that word right. Yes. It's like, yes. It's like the fourth podcast in a row. I haven't messed up the algorithm word. I know. I'm so proud of you. Right. So, but leave us a review and a rating, you know, with stars, hopefully five. But if you leave us one, let us know why good, bad, ugly, and different. We accept your constructive criticism. By no means are Amber and I professional podcasters. We're just a couple of lady veterans out here doing a thing. So, By leaving us those reviews and those ratings, it does increase the algorithm in podcast world so that more veterans can hear our stories and hear your stories and we can reach more people. Plus it'll help us make it, make our podcast better for y'all. Yes, absolutely. Which is important. And I know I've already mentioned it a couple of times because it's super important to me and I thoroughly enjoy what we do on Sundays. And that is uh, every Sunday we do veterans after hours via Zoom. And we start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And what is that like, Amanda? Oh, we are hanging out. We are telling stories. We are sharing resources and we are absolutely meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there though, that it is a live veteran networking group. So veteran, active duty, civilian, everyone is invited, but it is unscripted and it is live. So we have absolutely no control over the conversations that are held within that networking scenario. Zero. None. Zero control. Sometimes it's- But we hope you come The reason why Amanda and I started this podcast, well, one of two reasons, was to bring about mental health awareness in veterans and allowing veterans to share their stories. And the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.